Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5, the game hour number two here on a Monday. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise, good to have you in following a Titans victory yesterday, 24-10 to over the Falcons at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And right now, it's a Monday at 7 o'clock, so we welcome in our buddy Corey Curtis from News 2 for some reaction and takeaways from the game yesterday. Corey, your thoughts? Relatively a complete game yesterday for our Tennessee Titans. Yeah, they got uh, they got impactful plays on in all three phases of the game: offense, defense, and special team. I mean, they, everybody on that team just oozed about how good Brett Kern won, but coverage was really good. And you know, they're they're a different team when they can play with the lead. You know, quite obviously, I I thought one of the big keys on this game though was their willingness to attack down the field and to do it early, to do it on first downs. Um, you know, I thought they might do that. I thought they might try to make sure Corey Davis got involved. And, and it made a big, big difference in the football game. And, you know, whether you're for Mariota or against Mariota, I don't really want to get into. Uh, but he clearly looked calmer in the pocket. And um, it, his accuracy yesterday was as good as I can remember. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm not going to even um, get in that because the minute I say great things about him, then the next week it ends up being something else, and then you got to start talking <laughs> about it. So just let him do what he does, and hopefully what he what he's doing equates to and a win a at the end. At the end of the year, exactly, that would be an amazing thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, there was, you know, this team played much different in the second half, and I don't know if it was yeah, just they shut it down. Yeah, I don't know if it was just, and I don't know if I like that, uh, frankly. But there was one decision that that kind of baffled me. Uh, and you know, yeah, exactly. Know right where why? Why go for it? Um, to me, things like that makes you want to question. Like, what are you truly thinking? Um, you know, because Atlanta, for, and maybe you just thought, hey, they're not going to move the ball on if our defense has been doing a great job. But you put your team in a position where if Sanu catches that pass, they're only down seven points. What do you make of that decision by Vrabel? Um, I think it was in the third or fourth quarter. I, I, um, I don't want to be overly uh, harsh or mean after a victory, mm-hmm. but it might be the worst game managerial decision I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I just sat there and was absolutely astounded because a field goal, you know, it's a possession game at that point because it was the fourth quarter, and it puts you up three possessions. A touchdown puts you up three possessions. So there wasn't that much to gain. And he talked about, you know, wanting to get his offense, you know, a play and I guess, you know, really put it away. A field goal, it also, a field goal rewards your offense for a good drive uh, at that point. They had, you know, marched the ball down the field. Um, but they did shut it down in the second half. I mean, they did, they did try to just run the football. I don't know how many passes. Did Mario throw like nine passes in the second half? I think, was that the number? Um, which, you know, and I'm not saying you got to go out there and, and air it out at that point. But, I mean, he's got zero interceptions and zero fumbles lost at this point. Um, so he's taken pretty good care of the football. And I'm not saying you got to go out there and sling it around. But, you know, I think... I think you, he's shown you you can trust him to to not turn it over in a, in that critical situation, but they you know and and you want to be able to put it away with Henry, but I, I thought they did lack um, aggressiveness offensively to to put it put it away, um, and then to get hyper aggressive and go for it on fourth down, 
I mean, like it's it's sending mixed signals all over the place about about what you're doing, and you know, I'm I don't know if Rabel will defend that decision again today or not, um, but it it staggered all of us in the press box. I mean, even if they get it, it's a bad decision. I mean, you know, it's whether whether you do things the right way or the wrong way and succeed doesn't really matter. There's a right way and a wrong way, and and that was just the wrong way. Uh, we've talked about Marcus having time to throw and being quicker and more decisive. A lot of that de- depends on the – a lot of that, to me, hinges on the idea that he had a lot of time to throw. He, he was protected for the first time all season. Well, he had a pocket. So, right. It, he, so, didn't have, he didn't have a guy flashing him. So, so even when there was pressure, he could step up and deliver the football. And and Nate Davis, I think I don't know how much of a factor Nate Davis was. He played sixty two percent of the snaps on offense versus Douglas uh being relegated to more of a, a reserve role. It's it's only his first game. Um what what do you make of how he played, why it took him till this point? I know the injuries have been undisclosed. It's just been sort of a weird start to his career, but but does he have is that a solution for them there? Did you see enough to say, hey, this could be the solution to the problem? Well, I mean, they drafted him in the third round, and it wasn't to be a backup. I mean, my belief, and this is going back before the injury, was they wanted him to win that job. Um, And if it wasn't going to be in week one, it was going to be in like week four or five or six. Um, So I I think that's what they thought of him, that he was the solution from the beginning. Um, You know, the injury obviously knocked him out of the entire preseason. And then you're trying to get a guy – into game shape on the practice field when you barely put on pads on the practice field. Um, it's, it's a very tough scenario um, that I'm, you know, I'm sure that's not the scenario that they wanted. And cause I was wondering going in, cause you know, it was obvious Rabel really wanted him to play. I'm like, how on earth does this guy play four quarters, you know, doing what he's been doing. Um, and so, you know, I think did Douglas play the first drive or the first two drives? I believe it was the first two. I believe so, okay. yeah. And, and then he got in. But I think he was in on the one-play drive, and then he was in on the next touchdown drive. So we were like, Nate Davis is perfect, two for two. And, <laughs> you know, fortunately, um, you know, being at the game, um, you know, because on TV you, you can watch the ball, basically. We were able to try to focus in on him and some of what he was doing. And, you know, I, I saw, you know, that he had a double team with Ben Jones and slid off to get to the linebacker at the next level. Um, you know, looked like he stood up strong. Uh, you know, Grady Jarrett's a good football player, the guy he was going against, and it looked like he he stood up pretty strong there. So I'm I'm not going to declare it a huge win for for Nate Davis, but from what I saw, you know, looked pretty good, and he's a big, strong dude, and that's what they've been really lacking in that spot. Not to say that Quentin Spain and Josh Klein and Jamil Douglas aren't strong, but that big warhorse who cannot be put on roller skates and shoved back into the backfield. You know, if he can be that guy, that, that can make a big, big difference for them. Um, and so yesterday, you know, I, I would just say yesterday you have to call a very positive step forward. And, you know, Buffalo is really good defensively. So I don't know if they're going to be ready to unleash him completely. I, I think maybe we might see kind of what we saw this week again for another game before they're ready to go fully. To Nate Davis. 
Speaking of being good defensively, Corey, the Tennessee Titans have been just that. So far this year, 13 points, 19 points, 20 points, 10 points allowed in the first four games. They're giving up just over 15 points per game. Are we giving that, this defense enough credit, or do we just take this unit for granted? Well, I mean, we still wait for pressure without blitzing the quarterback, and we waited for it again yesterday, and then when they got up big, they were able to, to really go after him. Um, I think we, we Harold Landry finally got involved on a, on a couple different plays, which was good to see. And, you know, I, I'm going to plug TN Nation, um, our show every Saturday night after news to attend. You know, one of the things, you know, we talked about was create turnovers. It's, you know, if this team wants to go from good to great defensively, they need to create turnovers consistently. They, they had zero sacks and zero turnovers at Jacksonville. And for as good as they played in that game, those two numbers are unacceptable against a rookie quarterback. You know, if you want to win that football game, you've got to create chaos. You know, the Chicago Bears consistently create chaos. The Patriots create chaos. The Ravens generally create chaos. And so they need to create more chaos. And, and one of the guys I said on the show that's had a quiet start to the season but has been an impactful player needs to be again, Jarrell Casey. What did we see yesterday? Casey gets in, gets the strip sack and the recovery, the hat trick. It's a huge play in the game because the the, the Falcons were driving, um, and you know those those are just game changers. So the defense has largely been very good. Um, if it can consistently get the turnovers, it can be mentioned in the great uh, defenses in the league. The defensive backs, having said that, had a really good day yesterday. Dory Jackson had a better game. Malcolm Butler, you know, who gave up seven catches on eight. Um, passes in Jacksonville was fantastic yesterday. And any time, I think Julio Jones' final numbers were four catches for 52 yards. That is a banner day uh, for your defense. I know they gave up some stuff to Austin Hooper, uh, but they did not let Julio Jones just go nuts on him, and that's that's tough to do. Now, are you bringing up the um, tight ends? Are you um, any way concerned uh, with? the Titans moving forward and them covering tight ends, whether it be with the linebacker or safety, because they did. I know what they were trying to do on the outside. They, you know, concentrated more so on those three receivers, but they did allow um, Hooper to pretty much have his way. I think he had like nine catches over a hundred yards as a tight end. Are you concerned about that moving forward? Uh, No, um, because I don't think we've seen it consistently, mm-hmm. and I'm going to plug TN Nation one more time because I always get my fantasy plays on that show. <laughs> my fantasy plays for that game was Austin Hooper. I said, look out for this guy. He's going to have a big day because the Titans are going to want to slow down Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley on the outside, and they double, you know, they had a guy under and a guy over on Jones a lot of the day, and that left some stuff open to Hooper on the inside, who's a good player, and Matt Ryan is good at getting the ball to his tight end. And I'll just say Mike Malarkey is his coach. And when Mike Malarkey is your tight end coach, guess what? Your tight ends are usually pretty good. I mean, there's, there's, there's a track record there uh, for that. So if we continue to see it, I'll be concerned. Um, but Bayard and Brown are usually the kind of the guys that got the tight end, and they usually do a really good job. Um, on those guys, so so no, no, I'm not overly concerned. I, I I view this one as more of a of an anomaly, but it you know it bears watching after after seeing it because he he did have a really big day. Um, he found some gaps in that seam. It was very Delaney Walker like. 
Corey, great stuff as always. We always appreciate the time. Thank you, sir. All right. Maybe one day we'll actually be able to uh, predict what this team's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> if you can ever figure it out, let me know because I'm done predicting this team. Corey Curtis, News 2, covers the Tennessee Titans. All right, we'll come back. The one thing that was a head-scratcher was Mike Vrabel yesterday. His decision to go for it on fourth down, confounding. The explanation, even more confounding. Back after this on Morning Drive. You know, we were kind of playing with house money there, the way the ball you know, had kind of been bouncing around. I felt our defense was playing great. thought we could really um, end it there and, and get going offensively, but we didn't make it. We didn't end up you know, converting. A lot of credit to our defense today. Uh, there's a lot of talent over there. There's a lot of really good skill players. You know, Matt Ryan's gotten into great rhythms in the last couple weeks in the second half, and uh, we were able to hold them just to the field goal. Titans head coach Mike Vrabel explaining yesterday why he went for it on fourth down instead of kicking the field goal. And uh, I don't get the house money comment. I don't get the play call itself. Like, I get it. Your defense is good. Derrick Henry's rolling. You want to impose your will. Uh, Vrabel, you know, an aggressive coach by nature. But it is sheer simple math. It's, I think it was, what, 13 minutes to Uh go in the game. Yeah. You can make that a three-score game. Why are you being it, stupid? It, it is completely well, – we'll get to the decision itself in just a second because I think we all – that's sort of an easy uh, piece of analysis on radio. What the hell are you thinking? There's the analysis. So we'll get to that. Here's what I want to ask you guys. The house money comment and, and how he described it and how his description of why he did what he did, I want to know what you guys think it meant because here, here's what I think it meant. And, again, I think this is totally up for interpretation – what I think it meant was he saw the fumble, the snap before, you know, they had sort of messed with the football, the play before that, and, uh, you know, maybe they didn't think they were going to recover the ball and be in that situation. Is that is that what he means by house money? Is that, you know, I, well, we almost turned it over. We, we didn't think we were going to still have the football anyway. Marcus was lucky to get back on it. So we were playing with house money. Is it possible that's what he means? It still has, still doesn't defend the situation at all. Well, let's hear this one more time. Mike Vrabel, house money, his decision. You know, we were kind of playing with house money there, the way the ball you know, had kind of been bouncing around. I felt our defense was playing great. thought we could really um, end it there and, and get going offensively, but we didn't make it. We didn't end up you know, converting. A lot of credit to our defense today. Uh, there's a lot of talent over there. There's a lot of really good skill players. You know, Matt Ryan's gotten into great rhythms in the last couple weeks in the second half, and uh, we were able to hold them just to the field goal. That's a nice I, pivot, by the way, he, by Rabel. I don't understand that. Okay, out money the way the ball had been bouncing the whole game. It's been bouncing in your direction. Kick the field goal, and they're not. And you just said in the same breath too that your defense had been playing well. So why even put yourself in a position? Where, you know, if you if you kick the field goal, it's 13 minutes left. Even if they get a score, even if they get two scores, you still, I mean, you still trust your defense that they're going to, you know, hold up their end of the bargain. They, need three, they need three touchdowns exactly. to beat you. Absolutely. They, they, so they going need, for. They would need one more scoring drive in the final 13 minutes than they have had the entire game before. Yeah, yeah. They had two scoring drives before that. They would have needed three in the final 12 minutes. It, it, it makes no sense. Um, and I, I, the whole, ho- again, the whole house money comment. Did, did my explanation I, make I, sense I, that, like, the, the ball, they, maybe they shouldn't recovered the fumble? That, like, again, I, I am not suggesting it's the right decision. I think it was a terrible call. 
But I'm just I'm trying to get my head around what exactly he's saying there. And I don't know what he's saying. He's he's saying that he went for it, he didn't get it, so now he has to find a reason to justify going for it. Uh, I like what Corey said um, last segment. It's rewarding your team for a good drive. You kick the field goal. Everybody walks back to the sideline. Defense comes on the field, feels more confident in itself, saying, you know what, even if they get a touchdown, we're not giving up 17 points in 13 you're, minutes. You're so. a one-and-two team. You do whatever you got to do to get out of there two-and-two, and, two, and if the mathematical play is to make it a three-score game with 13 minutes to go, against a team that has shown no signs of putting up points on you and threatening to beat you, you kick the field goal. If you are a fan of a football team, and I told you you're going to have a three-score lead with 13 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, you'd say, sign me up. Yeah. Like, that's the goal of the game, is to put your team away. Like, to, to, with to a top-ten defense. To, well, even better, even more reason to do it, right? Like, again, if I'm a fan of a team... And you tell me my team's going to go up three scores with 12 minutes to go in the game. You'd say that's sort of the the goal every single Saturday, every single Sunday. That's the goal is to is to go up three scores in the fourth quarter. Like that's the point. And so I, I just don't. I, it makes no sense at all. Again, the only explanation for the house money comment I can think of is that Marcus shouldn't have recovered the fumble. They were lucky to recover the fumble, and he viewed it as. Oh well, we we shouldn't have had the ball anyway. Let's go for it, which is still a stupid decision. Even even if he's right, and even if that is the the the, the explanation for what he's saying, it's still one of the dumbest things. And the bigger concern here is that now he's done it twice in a row. It, it mm-hmm. fourth and sixth in the third quarter, down fourteen nothing to Jacksonville. If you kick the field goal, you've cut it to eleven points. You, you're still in the game because when you go down the field and score on the next drive, it's fourteen to ten, and you're in that game against Jacksonville. The decision to run 40 seconds off the clock with four and a half minutes to go against Jack, the Colts. Colts the, the yeah. two, who, like that's now three. And I'm not saying that was the deciding factor. There were other things that could have happened in that game, other things that, that could have been executed. But but two, four, like I normally love the aggressiveness of Mike Vrabel to go for the win. Going for the win is kicking the field goal, right? That That is going for the win. So I, I don't know. Two major head scratchers on fourth down on chip shot field goals in the last two games, I don't know if you can point to that decision as costing them the game against Jacksonville. I think that's a little much, but it certainly played a large role. And then yesterday, they were lucky that it didn't bite them because had Mohamed Sanu caught the touchdown, which albeit was a, would have been a great play, all of a sudden you, you, feel, you can feel things pucker on the offense because then it's on them to not let Matt Ryan go back out on the field down seven. I, I just don't understand. It makes no sense. Now, if there was different circumstances, like let's just say yesterday was the Tennessee Titans at the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's the same time, 13 minutes to go in the third quarter, you're, or fourth quarter, you're playing Patrick Mahomes on the road, and it's a 34-20 game, and you know it's a shootout, and you got to get sevens against Patrick Mahomes. I get that. But when you've held Atlanta to 10 points, you kick the field goal. If you're in a, in a high-scoring game where field goals will get you beat, so be it. No, even if even in that situation against the Kansas City Chiefs with 13 minutes left, I'm kicking a field three goal. Three scores. Because I'm still up three scores. And then I don't have to justify it. Even if we lose, I don't have to justify why I chose to go for it and didn't get it. I can say, listen, I went for the field goal. You know, I'm, I'm playing basic math. I'm playing the odds. We're up three touchdowns. Our defense is playing well. 
I'm 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 hoping that we're going to do enough. Even if they have the ball at the end, we're going to do enough to win this ball game. But when you decide again, when you decide not to take the points, and this is not the first time he did. There was situations last year that 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 popped up, and you kind of was scratching your head, like, man, what is he doing? Um, I, I've come to the realization with him is just be a CEO. Let, let the let the defense call what they're going to call. Don't is he too impulsive? Yeah, don't. Yes, that's he, what he is. He's got to take he the think, hel- He's got to take he the helmet too off. much like a player. And I said this last year. Take the helmet off. I said this last on. year about the yep. challenges and everything. He thinks too much of, as like a player at times. L- you got to stay in the game as a head coach. He has to stay in head coach mode 100% of the time. He can't, for that brief moment, become a player. Because then when you become a player, you're subject to make decisions like you did last night. And it worked out great for you this time because the defense has just been playing so well. But had Atlanta come down and score, score it would have made a lot of people tight. Now, let me, let me ask you guys this real quickly. St- if, Stillman thought it was the right call, so it's clearly not the right call. Yeah. Whatever Stillman says, I'm on the opposite side. Yeah. Of it. I want to be on the right <laughs> side of history. But what if that was fourth and goal at the one-yard line? Do you go for it there, or do you take the points? Take the points. You just take the points, man. In that situation, even at the one-yard line. Even at the one-yard, you take the points in that situation because, again, Corey Curtis said it right. It's rewarding your offense. For for a well put together drive. At the end, we can say, you know what, we got some points. They're down three scores, and now we turn the ball and we go the other way. It, against Jacksonville, you know, rainy rainy day, low scoring game. It's fourteen nothing. If it's fourth and one instead of fourth and six, even then I'm okay, more okay with it. If it's fourth and one on the goal line versus fourth and six on the fifteen, like even then I'm maybe a little bit more okay, okay with it. But th- that was the third quarter. You know, like, again, fourth quarter, it's just you play games to go up three scores in the fourth quarter. Like, that's the, that's like that's how you want your game to go as a coach. I will say this on the coach, like, taking his helmet off as a player and putting his coaching hat on. He he struggled early in his career last year with the, with the challenge flags. I actually think he's done a very good job with the challenge flags since then. He did a good job keeping it in his pocket during the regular season last year after he made some mistakes. And then I think this year people wanted him to challenge these pass interference calls. But it's, the NFL has made it very clear that they're not going to overturn too many pass interference calls. So I think he's actually making the right decisions there. Last year's aggressiveness to go for it, the, the two-point conversion against the Chargers, going for it on fourth down against the Eagles, it, they are selective moments where being aggressive can speak to your team. Not, we are in a guaranteed situation to win, and I just went the wrong direction. Like it's To me, the decision yesterday and the decision against Jacksonville are very different than Hey, we've played against the Chargers. They're a really great team. We're down to one play. Let's roll the dice on a 50-50 play and try to win the game. That's, to me, a very different decision. There's, that's more of a 50-50 call. The, yesterday was a 100% decision to kick a field goal, and he went with the 0% decision. And more importantly, his explanation was rambling and vague and not didn't get – just say it was the wrong call, dude. Just say, listen, we should have kicked the field goal. That's on me. I'll do better next time. But instead, he's like, well, but the defense is great, and the Falcons have a lot of weapons, and we were house my like he vague, rambling answer that made no sense at all. Just own it, dude. Just say it was the wrong call. 
We're going to do better next time. All right, Titans fans, what did you make of that call by Vrabel? 615-737-1025, the number 737-1025. We'll open up the phones again, take your calls on Mike Vrabel. Obviously, the decision didn't hurt him. They won by two touchdowns. But what did you make of Vrabel's decision and the explanation on house money? 737-1025. We're back after this on Morning Drive. It is morning drive. The scenario was pretty simple. You kick the field goal, you go up 17. But Mike Vrabel says, eh, what the hell? We're playing with house money. Let's go for it. 737-1025, the number. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise with you. We'll take your calls now on that Vrabel decision. Uh, let's go to Frick, who's next on morning drive. What's up, Fricky? Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, yeah, I didn't understand the decision, and... Uh... The only thing, the only reasonable explanation I can come up with, and I don't know why he would have any reason not to trust him, but, I mean, if you walked in and that's the only play you saw of the game, you didn't know anything about either team, one would naturally assume, well, he must not trust his kicker. The kicker must either be injured or maybe he's missed a lot, but I can't think of any reason why Variable would have to not trust Santos in that situation. But uh, I haven't heard anybody touch on that, but like I said, that, that would be what you would have to assume if you seen that situation with any other team you think you think he kicks it if suck up is still the kicker i i don't i just to me both of those santos has been good and these are not long like if it was a 53 yard field goal and you want to go for it on fourth and one okay we can have it's a far different discussion then right Mm -hmm. like santos is a guy who signed off the street you're maybe the distance is a concern but you know fourth and six against jacksonville was a 29 yard field goal i think and last night, I, I, again, I need to check the yard line, but I'm pretty sure they were inside the 20. Like, you're, you're, you're talking about chip shots here. You, you take the points. You don't – I don't know. I, I mean, I, I could somewhat understand it in the college ranks because we know college kickers, all they do is miss, and that drives me insane. But, I mean, you know, if you had suck up, I think you probably kick it. If you've got Santos, you should kick it. Now, did Santos – he missed one, was it a couple of weeks ago, from 45? He missed yeah. it after, after the Marcus sack. Which it was the Colts we, game, right? Which we killed Marcus for on that sack, mm-hmm. taking it. It was still a 45-yard field goal, which for NFL kickers is still a pretty high percentage kick. Like sure. You still should make – you are a professional kicker. You should make 45-yard field goals. 29-yard field goals and 37-yard field goals are almost automatic. Like 90 percentile territory. Well, the extra point now is what, 34? 34 yards, yeah, so even, it's basically and, an extra point. And while it, and while the percentages on extra point points have come way down, they're still in the 90 percentile range. Like it's still, it, it for professional NFL kickers who make millions of dollars to put the football through the uprights, th- those yeah. are automatic plays. You only have one job, one job only, and that's to kick the ball through the uprights. So do it, damn it. No, um, <laughs> he didn't get a chance, Derek. Let's not get yeah, too angry. I, <laughs> I just don't, you know. Hopefully, moving forward. Um, these are, you know, lessons learned, um, you know, by the head coach that, you know, when you have a 14-point lead and you can build on that 14-point lead by three points, then take the three points. They, again, were, they were on the 10-yard yeah, line. It's rewarding your defense. It means rewarding your offense for moving the ball down the field. And then the defense goes back on the field and they feel more confident. Like, listen, we're up three scores. There's no way they can come back. If they don't, you know, they don't get that first down, which they didn't. Atlanta goes down and score, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty. Atlanta goes down and score. It's a new ball game, folks. Um, and I don't trust under that scenario that the Titans offensively is going to pull it out because now 
those easy calls that you were making become a little bit more tighter. Everybody's puckered up, exactly. Man. <laughs> and then every call see ha, every was, call seems to every call you make has to be the right I, call. I was puckered up when Atlanta was going down the field and it was twenty four ten, and Atlanta had gone all the way into the territory. You know, before the fourth yeah. down sack by by Jalen Brown, I believe. Like I'm sitting there going, "Oh my God, they're about to cut this to seven, and it's going to turn into a game because Vrabel screwed it up." The the one against Jacksonville was the first drive of the third quarter on the 11-yard line on a 4th and 6. You take the three points. That Yesterday, they were on the 10-yard line. That is a 29- and a 28-yard field goal, right? Or a 28- and a 27-yard field goal. What do you, that's, a, that's 100% accuracy almost at that point. Maybe 98, whatever. But, like, 29-yard field goal, 28-yard field goal, you take the points. It's just, I don't know, it makes no sense. All right, so let's go around the AFC South yesterday and how everything impacts the Tennessee Titans, who did get a win and improve the 2-2. Two and two. The Texans lose at home to a Kyle Allen-led Carolina Panthers team, so that's good for the Titans. The Colts lose at home as a touchdown favorite to John Gruden and the Raiders. That helps the Tennessee Titans, but Gardner Minshew mania continues as he went in the mile high and beat Joe Flacco. Now we've got four teams, all two and two. You said that helps the Titans. It doesn't help the Titans. It really doesn't. Well, it doesn't. Well, the, the, the losses. You know what, what would have helped the Titans had they split one and one in the division? Well, yeah, I mean, being 0-2 in the yeah, division sucks. Sure, but, but, it's, and, but it's that, in the past. But though. that ultimately is what, um, in this league, on your division, you got to win your division first in order to secure yourself a playoff berth. And the Titans, even though everyone's record is 2-2, two and two, the Titans sit in last place. Yep. In their division. And that's not a good thing. I guarantee you, Vrabel would have rather had them beat Indianapolis and Jacksonville and lose to um, Atlanta and, and, and Cleveland. Because sure. now, if that happens, yeah, we all agree with that. you're up, you're, you're, you're first in the division. We, we, now they sit, even though everyone's two and two, they sit last in the division. They got to make those games up. How they make them up, I don't know because every team in that division is pretty good. Um, Technically, they're tied for first. Yeah. Yeah, they're tied first, but they're in last. I mean, you're, you're totally right. Like Again, we, we need to have a bigger discussion. We will this week about mm-hmm. Taylor Lewan. Frankly, we have not talked about Taylor Lewan, but if the offensive line is going to show progress and you're going to bring Lewan back, I know you're going up against the Buffalo Bills. Well, it's going to take, really take him a couple weeks to get into no, it. No question. I, listen, we all – two and two, if you had told everybody the day the suspension came down for Taylor Lewan, he's going to miss four games, and, you, and, and we sat on the air and said, we're going to take two and two. Everybody would have taken two and two. Would you have preferred it to have been the other two wins? Of course. You would You would have much rather have been the two games you were favored in, by the way, to win, not the two games you were larger underdogs in, um, which is just how schizophrenic the league can be. We all agree that you'd rather be 1-1 one one or 2-0 in the division, but every time Houston and, and Indianapolis lose, it's a good thing for the Titans, regardless of, of what, what their records are in, in any other situation. If those teams continue to lose – and the Titans continue to win; they can still win the division. So you, you just have to have you, you just have to have a better record than you, the other guys, which means your margin for error is now smaller because you don't have the tiebreaker. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. The number if you want to jump in seven three seven one zero two five. Tony Barnhart's going to join us at the top of the hour. We'll talk some SEC with Tony. Also, Darren McFarland. From 1025 The Game, Preds Radio Network will join us at the 9 o'clock hour as we get ready for Preds opening week. And right now, 
Need to tell you about Predators fans. Here's what you got to do if you want to go to the opening game Thursday night. Bridgestone Arena. Stop by Cool Springs Wine and Spirits located at 1935 Mallory Lane in Cool Springs. Tomorrow afternoon and register to win a pair of tickets. Jared and the GM will be broadcasting live from 2 to 6 and giving away tickets to the season opener against the Minnesota Wild on Thursday night. We will come back. Uh, A couple of interesting things in college football. If you thought Vrabel's decision was a little confusing, what are people making of Mac Brown and his decision against Clemson? We'll hit on all that coming up next on Morning Drive. Guys, the internet, very simple. You need it almost every minute of the day because, hey, you got shows to stream, emails to reply to, LOLs on social media. You got to smash that like button. You know, download the ESPN The Game app and smash that like button on the, on the podcast. That's why you need Xfinity. You can get the fastest, most reliable internet with gig speeds available so you can get online and get down to business faster. And Xfinity delivers enhanced network security so all of your connected devices are protected. Get instant alerts when strangers are trying to hop onto your network. Can't have all those strangers getting on your Wi-Fi. Set curfews with parental controls and pause your Wi-Fi at dinner time. Got to keep my kids from watching South Park. The three-year-old loves South Park. That's why with Xfinity, life is easy. The best internet provider in America, according to speedtest.net. Now that's simple, easy, and awesome. Get started with Xfinity Internet for $20 a month with twelve for 12 months with a one-year agreement. Or get four times the speed for just $10 more a month for 12 months. Plus, add enhanced network security. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today. Requires EcoBill and AutoPay. And it's one seven twenty. Restrictions apply. New performance starter, 25 megabits, customers only. Equipment taxes and fees extra and subject to change after term. Regular rate supply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Tony Barnhart from the SEC Network will join us coming up in just about 15 minutes. Uh, a couple of things from college football. We did the SEC last hour at 6.45. Uh, two things that I thought really stood out this weekend in college football was Number one, the scare that Clemson got against North Carolina, and we were just discussing Mike Vrabel and coaching decisions. Let's get into Mac Brown's decision for North Carolina because I, I don't believe that anybody should be questioning that. Like, if you're Carolina, you've already lost multiple games. you got nothing to lose. You're way ahead of schedule. You're at home. Try to take out Clemson and Dabble. Go for it. I loved it. How many, from a statistical standpoint, and I know baseball is big into the sabermetrics, but in a football situation, just statistically, how often are you going to be three yards away from probably beating the defending champs and number one team in the nation at home? Like you're just you're just never going to be no that that have that sort of singular opportunity to win. Now I know there was a, a minute and eleven left on the clock, and Clemson could have gone back down the a- field as a four touchdown underdog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, dude, you you lost eleven games last year. Mm-hmm. You're clearly ahead of schedule. You've got a great true freshman quarterback in Sam Howell. You're clearly a better team than you were last year, and you are three yards away. I don't, I don't have, I do not question the decision at all. I never thought for a minute they were going to get it, which is really strange because I just thought Clemson would come up big and make a big play because that's what Clemson does. Um, but I, I just don't. I, I have no problem with the the decision to go for it. You know, if it's Clemson, it's different. If I'm Clemson, I'm taking the point. If I'm the Clemson Tigers. I'm going to lean on my depth and my athleticism and my talent and say, you know what, I think we can wear you out in overtime, and I think we're going to win. I, I, if, it, if, I was, if it was Clemson in that situation, I would take the extra point. But mm-hmm. you're, you're North Carolina. The risk and reward. What's the reward for Mac Brown? A, being on national television every single second of this week if they, if they make that play, right? 
They're on national TV building their brand saying, look, we beat number one Clemson every day for the rest of the season. That's, that's the reward. Mm-hmm. The risk is you played great and you lost hard to number one Clemson, which is probably what's going to happen anyway. So to me, it's a no-brainer. If you, if you win that game, one, Mac Brown uh, did an excellent job at getting his team up to play that game um, at home um, and found themselves in a position where they could have won. Um, and he may, I think that was the right decision. Um, but I think if you, if you, I think that was a bad play because you took away half the field um, against an athletic ex- defense. Ex- exactly. But if you if you score the two points, you you've essentially probably considering the way this league this 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 year is going, you probably knock Clemson out of the playoffs. Um, <laughs> if if you win that game, you probably not Clemson based on their schedule, Ooh, based know. on Clemson's strength of schedule and everyone else's. If everyone else basically runs the table or have one loss, you essentially not Clemson out of the playoffs, and your team is leaps and bounds ahead of schedule. If you win that game, at the very they, least, they are, they Clemson Clemson would have to go on like a streak. Where not only do they win out, but they, they do it like Tebow out. in Florida I, I did he, like a decade ago, where they they won by fifty points they, a game. I, they would have to. I, I would listen. They lost to four and eight Syracuse and still made the playoff. They lost to a middle of the pack Pittsburgh team and still made the playoff. So it's I, I still everyone's gonna have a loss. All these teams ahead in the top six or seven or eight or nine are all gonna lose games, with the exception of one of them or two of them. I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to go that far. A road loss to a North Carolina team that's 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 clearly better is not. That you were a, it's not a basically you a three point. Um, they were a three, three point touchdown. Do, three touchdown dog. Now, I, listen, I, I get four that they didn't play well down the stretch. They took you know Trevor Lawrence took too many hits mm-hmm. and they and they allowed North Carolina to run the ball a little bit too much. But but again, they lost to four and eight Syracuse and got in. So the the key is how the loss takes place. You cannot lose badly to to mediocre teams. Ohio State gave up. You know, they got boat raced by Purdue. They got boat raced by Iowa. You know, Georgia last year got pushed around by LSU. It's not necessarily who you lose to. It's how you lose. A one-point loss with Mac Brown gambling on, on the on the river there and, and kind of, you know, winning a game. I, I, again, I don't think but it— But a one-point loss— I don't think it would have you, eliminated. And you haven't played well the whole season. Really, people have been questioning whether you are the number one team in the country with a loss. And then, essentially— They've crushed you know, everybody they play. But they haven't. If you look at all of the other teams that are, in a, that are in a top, let's say, top six, Clemson might be, based upon what I've seen, Clemson might not be a top four team. I'm not that's, saying, that's based fair. upon what we've seen, Sure, I, I'm not saying that if they played against one of these teams, they wouldn't beat them. But I'm saying, based on what we've seen, they might not be a top four team. Um, but you would essentially have to run the table and hope that there's more than one there's more than one two loss team because your resume says that it's not tough. I, I agree with your point, and that is Clemson's resume yeah. at the end of the year won't be as good as somebody else's. Exactly. I agree with that. There's there's no question about that. I still will take the best player in America who's never lost well, Of course. That's just like who's the never Georgia. lost a game. Like that's just like Georgia yeah, last year. LSU has a really good win over Texas. Georgia has a really good win over over Notre Dame. Otherwise, who's Alabama played? Nobody. Who's Ohio State played? Nobody. Who's Oklahoma played? Nobody. They've been far more dominant than Clemson, mm-hmm. but they haven't played anybody. Clemson's played Texas A&M. They've played at Syracuse. They've played at North Carolina, and they didn't play well in that game. 
But they did blow out Syracuse on the road, and they did. The blow only out the only ranked A&M. opponent Clemson has left is Wake Forest. Yeah, that's oh, what that's, I'm saying. And even that's a weird yeah. ranked. Are you guys ready to live in a world where Minnesota and Wake Forest are both eight and zero? Are you guys ready to live in that world? Because just be prepared for Minnesota and Wake Forest to have very good records in November, which is a weird thing to to <laughs> say. I don't want to. Frankly, I don't want to live in a world where Minnesota and Wake Forest are undefeated. I don't mind, but um, but yeah, the Gopher cha- fans don't mind. Change it up a little bit. Uh, I, I do think there's a larger discussion about who is number one. And if you told me, I think we're overreacting to five weeks of football. Per- personally, if you told me uh, the mortgage is on the line, my children's lives are hanging in the balance. Who are you taking to win a football game right now? I'm taking Bama. I, I think Clemson is mo- not in my top four right but, now. But Clemson would be number two. Yeah, Clemson's not in my top if four you right have, now. Based if, upon the what I've seen from course, all the teams in the top five or six. Of course, but take let's take Bama out of it. Uh-huh. If you have to win a football game right now in the national championship game against whoever, pick the team, all, uh-huh. all the other teams, Ohio State, just any team, you've got to win a national championship right now. I'm taking O State. Which in your life, your children's yep. lives, I'm depend taking on O State. It. I still am taking I'm Trevor taking Lawrence. I'm taking O State because of the way that de- if that defense hold up the way they have. I'm taking O State because Justin Fields has looked. They thoroughly embarrassed Nebraska. They haven't. I I agree. They haven't played anybody. Ryan Day hasn't proven anything, and Justin Fields hasn't played in a big game in his career. I'm taking Trevor Lawrence and Dabo Sweeney, and saying, you know what? You can pick whoever else you want. I'm not saying they've played better than everyone else, but if you're telling me who's the better team. You're gonna every every. So you're taking Bama or Clemson? Bama Bama won. Okay, I'm saying take Bama out of the equation. If you take Bama out of the equation, who's the number? Who's the team you would put on the field right now? If you had to, like, you're you're in prison in Iran, mm-hmm. and you and the and the <laughs> and the IRGC is saying we are going to kill you and your family unless you win a football game. Who do you take? And I, I will go with the quarterback who I think is the best player in America, the coaching staff who's built the best program in America. Yeah, right Trevor now. Lawrence is not the best player in America. Uh, okay, Trevor Lawrence has looked awful this year. Awful is a really. See here, here's now, here, this is what you guys do. You got you co- you college football national media guys fall in love with <laughs> one game because he looked better than Tua. Tua Tungavaloa looks leaps and bounds better than Trevor Lawrence this year. You can look at stats. You can look at tape. The eye test. There's no way you can now look. Trevor Tua Tre- 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 has played better. I'm not, Tre- I've never argued Trevor that. Lawrence could be the next Andrew Luck. But right now, Tua Tungavaloa is leaps and bounds better at this moment through five weeks than Trevor Lawrence. If, if you're gonna take, the Trevor Lawrence thing has got to just die down. If you're going to take the uh, national media shot, then i got to take the Alabama homer shot. Cause oh, it's not a homer Tua, shot. It's, what, 20 touchdowns and no picks? 23, actually. 23? Uh, Tua has played better football against nobody. Tua has played better football than Trevor. So has Jalen Hurts. So has Justin Fields. So has Joe Burrow and Sam Ellinger. They've all played better than Trevor Lawrence. It doesn't make them better players. Yeah, but this whole that thing. They're not better prospects but this than goes, Trevor Lawrence. I'm not talking about prospect. I'm talking about college football right now. Tua is better than Trevor Lawrence. Tua has played better. Joe than Burrow Tra- is better than Trevor, Trevor Lawrence right now. Tua has played better. Those quarterbacks, all those quarterbacks have played better. Than Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and I'm not saying otherwise, by the way. I think ultimately Trevor Lawrence is the better player person. Yeah. <laughs> There's Bless probably, the, okay. I would say right now, and I look, NFL draft ability, whatever. I would say Tua, I would say Burrow, Fields, Hurts. There's probably four no, or five Fields quarterbacks. Had, uh, well, yeah, Fields. Fields, yeah. Fields that have no, looked better than Trevor. They're all in the same category as like 
front runner for the high. Like they're all in the same group, right? Burrow, Elling, even El- I throw Ellinger into that conversation as well. They, they, we have super quarterbacks right now all across the country. They're all playing extremely well. And most of them have played better than Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence also had over 400 yards of offense and four touchdowns against Clemson on the road in a blowout win. I mean, it's not like, again, we are nitpicking greatness here. This is what we do with Alabama. Like, if you want to criticize Alabama and say, oh, well, they give up 31 to Ole Miss and their, their defense isn't playing as well, you're nitpicking greatness. Oh, but I don't think Bama's defense is great. Right, and, and that's fair. Not at but, all. But, but you're still nitpicking the best team in America, probably. Sure. probably. Like the, the point is, is we're nitpicking here because we've built them up so much in our, in our conversations mm-hmm. and in the offseason that if they don't play near-perfect football, that we think it's the end of the world and we use phrases like awful. Trevor Lawrence has not been awful. He's just not been as good as we expected. Well, I mean, going into last week, he had more interceptions and touchdowns, right? Well, I think he had the... He won less, maybe. But again, irrelevant. He's thrown more picks this year than, than last year. He has not played up to his standards. I, mean, I picked him pick to happened, win the Heisman, I think, so I feel like I, a dope. I think what happens is he's taking more chances. Yeah, he's pressing. Um, he's, he trusts his arm on every occasion. He, he tr- more importantly, he trusted his 6'3 receivers that if he throws it up, they're going to get it. And it's not always that way. You've got to be calculated in what you do. And at this point in time, he's not being calculated he's just saying you know what my guys are better than yours i'm gonna throw it up and they're gonna make the play um if i mean two of those slant routes yeah all game, I mean, and they go for 80 Alabama yards won, nine passes. I, I i'm taking justin fields and what oklahoma has been able me not oklahoma but ohio state has been able to do that defense is what really has impressed me now, granted they hadn't played anyone but that defense is getting getting turnovers uh, they're Ohio playing State's aggressive. Dangerous. No question. I would take, to me, Ohio State at this point in time. It's Alabama. I would put Alabama one. I'll put LSU two. Ooh. I will put um, Ohio State three. And then I'll put Oklahoma at four. Um, Clemson, based upon what I've seen, now they might be able to beat all three of those teams except Alabama <laughs> if you put them head up. I don't know. But from what I've seen, they would be right outside the top four, right along with Wisconsin. Even though I think Wisconsin, if their defense continue to play the way they've been don't, playing, don't but they have Georgia. a quarterback. Don't problem. leave Georgia out of it either. But Georgia, I, I don't think Georgia would beat Alabama. I don't think Georgia would beat LSU or um, Clemson well, or Ohio State. I just don't think I, they I, would beat those four teams. The fact that we can have this discussion is good for college yeah. football. The fact that we can argue any of these six teams to be number one in the nation. Is good now. I would t- to your point, Nick. I would not have Trevor Lawrence anywhere near the top of the Heisman list, but I still think he's the best player. Like Chris Leak had better numbers, won a championship, and had way better numbers and stats and accomplishments than Eli Manning. Who's the better football player, Eli Manning? Oh yeah, sure. So it's it's not about necessarily how many touchdowns you threw against Ole Miss and Duke. It's it's about how it, it it who who's the better football player. Trevor Lawrence is still, I think, the best player in America. Although you know who might have a case for this, Chase Young. The defensive lineman at Ohio State might Stud. might be the number one overall pick coming up this year. So uh, it's a great conversation. Trevor needs to be better. Clemson is still probably going to be like thirty and zero going into the playoffs under Trevor Lawrence. So still never lost the game. All right, coming up next, Tony Barnhart from the SEC Network will continue this conversation on the other side of Morning Drive, ESPN one hundred two five. The game.